Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to part two of my Christmas potpourri. This week, the first portion will again be tenors. Tenors and more tenors, because (laughs) I found myself with so much material after the first episode that I thought, well, I'm going to have to again, offer a bunch of stuff that I had just recently been listening to or, in some cases, even newly discovered. But the second half of the program is something I'm particularly excited about because we're going to be looking at some pop music, for one thing, and looking at some singers who aren't tenors, for another thing. And for a third thing, we're going to be looking at the most depressing Christmas songs that I could come up with. I figured this would be particularly welcome for those of my listeners who do not necessarily think of Christmas as the happiest time of the year. That's the reason that this program has the subtitle Hard Slash Try. You'll understand when you hear Judy Garland's selection towards the very end of this extremely long program. Till then, settle in with me and get set for both tenors and Super depressing Christmas stuff, yay! (laughs) To get the ball rolling, let's start off with a few tenors. But this time, let's start with some spirituals, shall we? We just touched on spirituals. We heard Charles Holland last week, and, and I have a few more selections for you today. We're going to begin with Robert Shaw Corral, same place where we started last time. Specifically, The Christmas Hymns and Carols, Volume 2. In this particular set of arrangements, Robert Shaw and Alice Parker sought to highlight many of the soloists in the chorale who were, in fact, actual opera singers. Calvin Marsh, Thomas Paul, Florence Kopleff, Ivan Chinella. These people all had significant careers. And, of course, Russell Oberlin, who went on to countertenor stardom. In this case, the first thing that I'm going to offer is their arrangement of Mary Had a Baby, a famous African-American spiritual suitable for Christmas time. There's something about this person who sings the solo. They have an absolutely magical way with the text. The only problem was I couldn't identify the exact name of the singer because they were only identified in a lump on the back of the record jacket. That is, they named four tenor soloists and they didn't specify which one sang which piece. I was finally, through the process of elimination, able to, with a fair amount of certainty, ascertain that the soloist is indeed a tenor named Ferald. Stevens or Steffens. Around the same period he recorded a few things, although one really has to scrub the corners of the internet to find out any information about him whatsoever. (laughs) Jeez, what I go through. Honestly, I don't know why, but anyway, here's Mary Had a Baby, Robert Shaw Corral, Robert Shaw Conducting, Ferald Stevens Steffens. 
as the apparent tennis soloist. When I was a kid, there was a copy of this record called Calypso Christmas in the Janesville Public Library, and I checked it out, and I really enjoyed listening to it. I recently found a copy of it again, and it was much less engaging than I remembered it being, but nevertheless, there's something of enormous interest on this recording. Leonard Deport was an African-American choral conductor and eventually arts administrator who more or less had a finger in every single pie. He is the conductor and arranger on several of Leontine's recordings, one of spirituals, one excerpt from Porgy and Bess. In the early 30s, he was an assistant conductor of the Hall Johnson Choir. He became involved with the Federal Negro Theater, which was a WPA administration project. While he was there, he worked on the all-black production of Macbeth, that was directed by none other than Orson Welles. Then he enlisted in the army in World War II, and from there he began an ensemble called the Deport Infantry Chorus, which gradually turned into the, the regular Leonard Deport Chorus, which is what we hear on that recording of Calypso Christmas. I'll tell you what, I'm going to put a link to his biography on the show notes page to the podcast, and you can read more about him there. 
There's one track from the Calypso Christmas album that is particularly interesting. That is Sweet Little Jesus Boy, which is not, in fact, a spiritual, but is a composition by a white composer named Robert McGimsey. The soloist on here, the tenor soloist, is someone named Luther Saxon. Now, if you don't recognize Luther Saxon's name, you can be forgiven for that. I didn't know who he was either, but then I found out that he was Joe in the original production in 1942 of Oscar Hammerstein's refashioning of Bizet's opera Carmen, Carmen Jones. Following his gig as Joe in Carmen Jones, he toured with the Leonard Dupour Chorus, often performing as a soloist. Luther Saxon died in September 2017 at the age of 101.
We heard Roland Hayes last week singing Stille Nacht. We're hearing him again today in an earlier recording that he made. When he made that recording of Christmas music heard around the world for Vanguard Records, he was just about 70 years old, and you really hear it in his voice. I managed to find a copy of a spiritual that he in fact arranged and performed himself called Little Boy. It's not really a Christmas song, but it's often included as a Christmas spiritual. For those of you who are not biblically oriented, the 12-year-old Jesus was taken to Jerusalem, to the temple, and astonished all the elders there by being able to answer all of their questions and engage them on all significant points of religious practice and doctrine. This song, this spiritual, is sung by some of those elders in the temple, asking the boy Jesus in wonder how old he is. I love the way that I have heard so many different singers characterize this. Charles Holland, who we heard last week, also has a marvelous recording of it. Muriel Smith, who created the role of Carmen Jones, has a brilliant recording of it, as does Florence Cuivar, whose spirituals album represents a pinnacle in the performance of this music. Meanwhile, I found two different recordings of Roland Hayes doing Little Boy. This one sounds like it's live. There was also an earlier studio recording, but this one had the edge in the way that it's characterized, and, and his voice sounds remarkably fresh, certainly much more so than it did on the Stille Nacht. Little boy, how old are you? Little boy, how old are you? Little boy, how old are you? Sir, I'm only 12 years old. This little boy had come to remember that he was born the 25th of December. Lawyers and doctors were amazed and had to give the little boy the praise. Little boy, how old are you? Little boy, how old are you? Little boy, how old are you? Sir, I'm only twelve years old. Lawyers and doctors stood and wondered as though they had been struck by thunder. Then they decided while they wondered that all mankind must come under. Little boy, how old are you? Little boy, how old are you? Boy, how old are you, sir? I'm only twelve years old. The last time the little boy was seen, he was standing on Mount Olive and Green when he dispersed it all. Up into a cloud, little boy. 
okay, I need to stop talking and start playing music. Basta. That's it. Here we go. You just got to listen to their glorious voices. All right? So, we're going to go to Americans now. I'm going to give you three guys in a row. First, we're going to hear James Melton, a 1948 recording of O Come All Ye Faithful. I hope you enjoy it. It has its merits. to turn to Brian Sullivan. There's a lot I could say about Brian Sullivan, too. It's a very interesting and actually tragic character. We're not going to talk about him. We're just going to listen to him. What are we going to listen to? Well, he recorded a bunch of those Firestone albums in the early 1960s. Let's listen to It Came Upon the Midnight Clear. I love this song. I only wish that they had done the verses with the correct words. The version that they use really waters down the meaning of the poem. But what you're going to do, it's what we've got. It came upon the midnight clear,
now we're going to turn to Richard Crooks. Richard Crooks had one of the most exquisite voices that ever existed on earth. We listened to, oh, we listened to Araiza last week singing Panis Angelicus. This week I was going to play Richard Crooks singing something else because we'd already heard Panis Angelicus, but I listened, I put that on, I listened to him singing it, and I just melt. We gotta have Crooks singing Panis Angelicus. That's it. Here he is. last week 
Panis Angelicus, César Franck, French, right? Or was Franck Belgian? Oh yeah, he was Belgian. Anyway, French speaking. But now we're going to turn to some French repertoire, plain and simple. Who are we gonna have? Well, that's complicated because I want to play Oh Holy Night. It's my favorite Christmas piece, as I've said. But there are so many glorious versions. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is take the second verse of two different guys and let you enjoy them both. First is the Canadian tenor Raoul Jordan. He's sublime. And after he's sung his B-flat, then the choir goes back to the Peuple du Bout section and he has to come back in and sing another high B-flat over the chorus and the organ. By the way, the accompaniment here leaves something to be desired, but I'm willing to overlook that because of the glorious singing that we get from Raoul Jobin. And by the way, he's the Hoffmann on the Tales of Hoffmann recording that was the first opera that I ever listened to. Just had to say that. So here he is. And now I'm going to give you the version with Jussi Bjerling. Oh Helga Nat, it's called in Swedish. We're just going to listen to the second verse for reasons of time. 
But my god, and he does it up a half step, so you get to hear him do a high B. It is out of this world. this singer who I knew vaguely but was just listening to for the first time this past week. His name is, well, what is his name? He's French-Canadian, so his name is either Richard Verreau or Richard Verreau. And of course, me being pretentious, I'm going to say Richard Verreau. Here he is singing a song that is a very popular Christmas song in France. It's called Noël, or Trois Anges Sont Venus du Ciel, Three Angels Came Down from Heaven. It is a composition by the Irish-slash-French composer Augusta Olmes. Again, an alternative pronunciation of this person's name would be Augusta Holmes, but being French, she goes by Augusta Olmes. She lived from 1847 to 1903, had a very colorful life, and once her father died and she had amassed his fortune, she took it upon herself to become the best composer she possibly could. She wrote four operas, she wrote, I think, 12 symphonic poems. She's on the 
the very edges of people's awareness these days. But she's of real significance. And this song has a melody that, I don't know, it just envelops you. Oh my goodness. And the way that Vero sings it, you're just going to practically pass out with bliss.
Speaking of incomparable voices, we're going to return to Germany for a little bit and the magnificent voice of Fritz Wunderlich. He is singing a song here called Maria durch ein Dornwald ging. It's a very popular and extremely beautiful German carol. It tells the story of the Virgin Mary passing through a forest of thorn trees, which for seven years have not bloomed. And as she walks by, all of the trees burst into flower. It's really beautiful. And here Fritz sings in duet with the marvelous German baritone Hermann Prey, who was also a close colleague of his and a good friend. This was recorded again in the summer of 1966 in what I understand was quite sweltering heat just a few months before Wunderlich's tragic death. Rudolf Schock is virtually a German institution. He became very popular on television, as did Anneliese Rothenberger. They achieved a popularity unimaginable without the medium of television. Here's Schock, Leise Riesel der Schnee. Leise Riesel der Schnee, still und starr ruht der See. Weihnachtlich glänzet der Wald, freue dich, Christkind, komm bald. In dem Herzen ist's warm, still schweigt Kummer und Arm, Sorge des Lebens Hört nur, wie lieblich es war, 
Now we're going to hear René Kolo, another popular German tenor. He is from the generation that followed Schock and Wunderlich. He's singing the song Still, Still, Still. It's one that I certainly remember from my childhood. Actually, we had a record called Christmas in Germany, and that was on there. So was Leise Riesel der Schnee. Maria durch ein Dornwald was not on there, but there were a lot of wonderful songs on there. And that's how I got to know a lot of these German songs. And now, of course, living in Germany, I hear them all the time. Anyway, René Kolo, not perhaps the most refulgent Helden tenor that ever lived, and he did make that attempt to be a Helden tenor. He came from a very musical family, and here he is singing Still, Still, Still. some art songs that are related to Christmas. I played Georges Thiel last week singing the Forêt Noël. That's, well, that's a melodie, of course, and not a chanson. Right, friends? Unfortunately, I have way too much material as usual, so selections are dropping like flies. But I do want to give you two German art songs, two lieder that reference Christmas directly. The first is sung, perhaps to the surprise of some of you, by John McCormack, the quintessential Irish tenor. He sings Hugo Wolf beautifully, as you're going to hear in this setting of Schlafendes Jesus Kind to a text by Eduard Mörike. I'll put the text on the notes page to this episode. This song is just it's the bomb. So 
I haven't heard a peep during this entire tenor extravaganza from Peter Schreier, who, despite his name, which translates as screamer, and his perhaps less than lovely timbre, is still one of my favorite singers of all time. He has a whole album called Weihnachtslieder, meaning art songs for Christmas. It has two cycles in it, a bunch of songs by Max Reger, a bunch of Hugo Wolf. I'm just changing my mind here. I was going to play one of the Cornelius Weihnachtslieder, but because we don't have any sopranos this time, we haven't heard the Maria Wiegen Lied, and he sings it on here. Sometimes in these Christmas art songs, composers will make artful use of a familiar Christmas song. And that's exactly what Max Reger does in this song. He makes use of the beautiful German Christmas song, Josef Liebe, Josef Mein. And you hear it throughout the whole piece. So keep your ears open and joy.
So before we move into the really depressing Christmas stuff, let's just finish off the primary part of the episode with one last tenor, shall we? That is Mel Torme, who was also known as the Velvet Fog. Many of you know that he also wrote the ever-popular song, well, the ever-popular Christmas song, a.k.a. Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. He does a version of it with Judy Garland. He was the he wasn't the music director. I believe he created all the special material for when she did her television show in the early 60s. He wrote a wonderful book about that experience. Well, it presents Judy and all of her f- flaws, but also with a great deal of love. It's a lovely book. Anyway, here they are appearing together in a very staged scene in Judy's Christmas special, which if you have never seen this, I just can't even describe everything that's wonderful about it, but this is a real highlight. Now, a lot of you don't know that Mel Torme is the uh, composer and writer of all of my special material, every show that I do. I'm very lucky to have him. He's also been a guest on the show before, and lots of you don't know that, that he happened to write one of the most beautiful Christmas songs that ever was written. Well, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Incidentally, I wrote that, you know, with Bob Wells. Yes. And just this year, kind of to celebrate Christmas, I wrote a brand new verse. Would anybody care to hear it? Yes. Yes. All through the year we waited, waited through spring and fall. Hear silver bells ringing and winter time bringing the happiest season of all. And I wish Judy Garland would sing the chorus in her own Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir and folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight they know that says is on his way he's load of lots of gifts and toys are in his sleigh 
quotes. <laughs> and every modest child is gonna spy to see if rainbows really know how to fly. And so I'm offering this simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two. Have a go at them some old English, shall we? Yes. Love and joy come to you and to all your loved ones too. And God bless you and send you a happy new year. And God send you a happy new For those of you who don't want depressing Christmas songs, let this be the final song of the episode. Okay? Okay, now we're going to move into the really depressing stuff. I'm so excited. I love these songs. (laughs) This is from Meet Me in St. Louis. It is the quintessential sad Christmas song. Judy sang it so beautifully and so memorably there, and she did it many times afterwards as well. I almost used a 1944 radio recording that she did of it, but then I found this recording from... I'm not exactly sure when it's from, but I do know exactly who it is. It's Eileen Farrell, who just might be the greatest singer that America ever produced. How's that for a statement? Anyway, she could sing anything... Uh, Well, believe me, I will be doing programs and programs and programs on Eileen Farrell. In fact, I think I even have something special lined up for January. We'll see about that. But um, stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, enjoy her performance, her really sublime, supreme, exemplary, (laughs) I just can't come up with enough compliments, performance of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas Let your heart be light From now on our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself A merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on Our troubles will be miles away Once again As in olden days, happy golden days of yore, faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us. 
day soon we all will be together if the fates allow until then we'll have to muddle through somehow so have yourself a merry little Christmas now Once again as in olden days Happy golden days of yore Faithful friends who are dear to us Will be near Once more Someday soon We all will be together If the fates allow Until then We'll have to muddle through somehow A merry little Christmas By the way, I hate the new text that was written to this song. Hang a Shining star upon the highest bow. Bah humbug. This is all about being separated from the people that you love at Christmas time. Therefore, you need those words. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. I mean, come on. Be true to the spirit of the song. Sing the real words. And spare me your damn shining star on the highest bow. <laughs> In that same spirit, I have a real treat for you now. A real rage song. This is by Maltby and Shire. Uh, it's, of course, I Don't Remember Christmas. There are a slew of very good performances out there. There are also a slew of pretty lousy, in fact, really unspeakably bad performances out there. This one, though, I think is one of the very best. It is sung by none other than Rita Gardner, who was the original Louisa in Schmidt and Jones's The Fantastics. Here she is, still sounding like a million bucks. Let's get uh, back to the song itself. I just love the seething eloquence of this number. Enjoy. I was standing in the bedroom when it suddenly came clear that at last I don't remember that at one time you were here. All that stuff that used to haunt me like your robe behind the door. For the first time I don't notice that they're not here anymore. And I don't remember summer. I do not remember fall. So it's possible December never 
living room and saw that sheepskin rug. All those pesky little echoes, they're all gone without a trace. It was good to know I could grow unaccustomed to your face. And I don't remember Easter or the rainy day we met. Did we really have some good times? Come on, tell me I forget. Did I think that you were springtime? It's all vanished in the blue. into that other aspect of holiday trauma, profound depression. This is Joni Mitchell's River. I don't think I even need to say anything more about it. It's from Blue, the greatest pop album ever made. Oh, and no one can sing these songs like Joni Mitchell could back in the day. Makes me sorry when people try, especially when they try to sing A Case of You. That brings on a case of rage for me, sort of like what we heard uh, in I Don't Remember Christmas. That's the kind of reaction I have when I hear people try to interpret a case of you, or River for that matter. There is a singer who will never be mentioned on this podcast who's done a number of pop albums, crossover albums. I would say the nadir of one of those albums, which, yes, I confess I listened to, was her version of River, which made me want to regurgitate a river, honestly. On the other hand, here's Joni telling us what it's all about and showing us how it's done. So long 
talking about one of my favorite singers and I have yet to offer her singing anything on the podcast. Admittedly, I always say that I'm going to be spending time doing pop selections, but I never really do it, in spite of the fact that I have an awful lot of pop singers that I admire. And this next one is really, for me, a supreme example. Edith Piaf, Edith Piaf, Edith Piaf, Edith Piaf. Edith Piaf, Edith Piaf. What can I say? Remember how I was talking about how composers will make judicious, very crafty, very specific use of a familiar tune? Well, Joni Mitchell did it when she did Jingle Bells at the beginning of River, right? And it's the same thing that we hear here at the beginning of this song, which is called Le Noël de la Rue. They use the song Il est né le divin enfant, which is a very popular French Christmas carol. This is about homeless children 
Sort of like that uh, Noël des enfants qui n'ont plus de maison that we heard Gérard Souzé sing last week, accompanied by the late Dalton Baldwin. This song also presents a pretty extreme situation. It's sort of a little match girl type scenario, presenting the complete and utter desolation that homeless children face. And yet, they still try to keep their eye on that star up above, the star of hope, which in the end will never come down to them. It's profoundly despairing. Oi.
So this next one might be the ne plus ultra of depressing holiday songs. This was recorded December 19th, 1968. It was Judy Garland's last Christmas. She appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and she is a mess. However, she did sing this song, which was a new song that was written for her by a man that she evidently was involved with at the time. Anyway, his name was John Meyer. So he wrote this song. It's called After the Holidays. And basically it's saying, well, you'll hear the words. I've never heard anything more depressing in all my life. I heard this years ago and it stuck with me. And now I finally have a chance to share it with a somewhat larger audience. There's also an amazing recording of Margaret Whiting singing it. And if you guys know Margaret Whiting, you know what a great singer and interpreter she was. I don't know if this is Judy's last television appearance in the United States, but it's one of her last. Basically, six months later, she was dead. And I remember it well. I'm old enough to remember. Troubled life ends for Judy Garland. That was the headline on the evening paper. I remember it. Anyway, let's not get too hung up on this. This is After the Holidays. All righty. All righty, Doctor. Yes. Please stay with me till after the holidays. That's when I need you so. Just say you wait till after the holidays. Then I can let you go. Don't make me face this Christmas alone. After each wonderful Christmas we've known, won't you be kind? Let me believe you're mine on New Year's Eve. Just stay with me till after the holidays. I know it's hard, but try, try to pretend. Then 
we can say goodbye. So this last song is a little bit more upbeat, at least in tempo, but it actually commemorates a very sad event. I don't know if you guys heard that Marie Fredriksson, the lead singer of the Swedish duo Roxette, died on December 9th. She had had a brain tumor 17 years ago and really suffered enormously over the years, attempted to do some comeback work, finally was not really able to do that, and then at the beginning of December succumbed finally. This is their most famous song. Of course, we all know it as It Must Have Been Love, but it was originally called Christmas for the Broken Hearted. And there's a line specifically in the version that I'm going to play for you that says, It's a hard Christmas day. Oi, at least it's a slightly more up tempo, depressing song. Sorry, that's all I've got.
So that line that I used for the title of the episode, hard slash try. No, it's not a dirty reference. No, 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 I'm not that kind of person. It's a line from the After the Holidays song. The full line is, I know it's hard, but try. And I think that's actually pretty good advice. It's hard, but let's keep trying. Why am I sounding so depressed? I guess it's just having played all of these really super depressing songs. Oh gosh, I feel like I need to take us all out on something happy. Let me think about this for a moment. I figured out what I'm going to do. Let's greet the Christmas holiday with Lotte Lehmann singing about the joyousness of Christmas time. Because it can be joyous too. It's all things, as is life. I know it's hard, but try.
I know that in spite of all of my cynicism, I'm still pretty naive because I truly believe that if there are still people out there in this world that can sing with such heart and bring such passion and intensity and meaning to their work, that there's somehow hope out there in the world. Next week, I will offer a joyous tribute to those singers and artists who we lost in 2019. But it will be a celebration. It will be a celebration of all of the beauty that they brought to our lives. Thank you, Ellen Segal. You've helped to create a beautiful soundscape for the podcast. I'm very grateful. Thanks to Steve Robinson for all of the support that he's shown me over the course of these first three months of the podcast. And thank you to you, my listeners. Yeah, thank you. Until we next meet, my friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Kundlach. <laughs>